What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's edition of At Large Bid here on the 48 Minutes Basketball Network. It is March Madness, in some cases March Sadness. Not here on this show. Right. No, our, team, our teams are still playing. Yeah, technically my team is still playing. Right. It's not in the tournament. They're playing in the other tournament. Yeah. But, you know, that's more than most SEC teams can say. So, haha, take that. Um, I am Tim Daniel. I'm excited to be here as always with my guy, Taylor Burke, but who is celebrating his North Carolina Tar Heels in the Sweet 16. Um, man, I thought for sure coming out of uh, the first round, I was like, oh, they're going to beat Baylor. And then they got up that big lead and Baylor comes back. And like, I'm in Louisville with my wife. We're like, just like down there for the day. And I'm like looking at the score, and I'm like Taylor is probably losing it. I was like, I'm not going to text him. Yeah, I don't then, to text me. It was yeah, and then of course, you know, they go and put it together over time. That's when I finally was like, all right, I can text you. Everything's fine. Yeah, the we can start there with with I mean, that's one of the top stories. It was probably the best game of the second round. Um, mm-hmm. First game on Saturday, um, probably the best game overall. But um, TCU Arizona was pretty good too. But <clears throat> anyway. Yeah, they're cruising up 25 in the second half. Brady Manick gets ejected on a flagrant two. Um, I mean, it's in the rule, right? That is that is the rule. Um, if anything above the head, he's ejection. But, like, that's a tough call to make in the moment. Like, it wasn't like it was malicious, especially with how rough Jeremy Sohan and um, Baylor were playing. I mean, Sohan got a technical earlier in the game, a flagrant a flagrant one, sorry, or a technical, sorry, for wrapping up Armando Baycott and taking him down on, like, a body slam. So it's kind of like know the moment. Um, but, yeah, when he went out up 25, kind of like I was sitting there. I was like, oh, man, like there's 11 minutes left. And it was just like a car wreck. Like I could not look away. It was 25, and then it was 20, and then it was 17. Then Caleb Love bows out. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to tie this game. It was just like – I mean, it was like watching a car wreck. Literally, I'm sitting here like 15, 12, 5, 7, like boom, tie ball game. And I'm like, they go to overtime. I'm like, they're going to get beat by 100. I had Carolina plus five and a half. And I was like, I'm gonna lose this bet. Like, I'm gonna lose this bet. And they were up 25 points in the second half. But luckily, lucky enough, uh, Carolina hit a three. Dontre Styles, big freshman minutes from him off the bench, hit a three to start overtime. Um, really, like after that three went in, like it was a whole new ball game because Baylor came down and missed a jump shot. North Carolina got the rebound. Armando Baycott got a layup. We were up five, and like it kind of cooled down after that. But um, just a bizarre win. Uh, I mean, my takeaways. A lot of people were. I'm seeing a lot of like watching recap videos or watching previews for the Sweet 16, a lot of people are knocking how Baylor came back and how, how bad Carolina looked. But, like, Caleb Love fouled out and Brady Manning got ejected. Like, it wasn't like they right. crippled – I mean, when they're playing – they beat Marquette by 30, and they were up 25 on the number one seed. Like, Carolina is rolling right now. Um, really like where this team's at. Uh, you know, perfect – I mean, I'm excited for the matchup Friday night against UCLA. But, yeah, it was a huge win. Hubert Davis, man, I'm eating some crow. Um I'm I'm happy like happily eating crow like and that's fine. I had it like I had my my worries about him and my my frustration and it seems like it took a little bit longer than I would have liked, but the team really had bought in and um you know kind of playing up to their potential, which they have a loaded roster, so this isn't really a surprise that they're this good. It's just frustrating to watch all year and then finally see it click. But if there's a time for it to click, it's right now, and I'm happy. So yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I think they've been awesome. Uh, you know, I was pretty high on them for a while there, and I think. You know, basically since the second half of the ACC season, they've been awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously beating Duke there in Coach K's last home game. We talked about that for weeks. We can talk about it for weeks longer if you want. I'm cool with that. Yeah, whenever you um, want to. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, and then, of course, you know, we got to talk a little bit about Kentucky. And we're not, you know, obviously just unbelievable. And instead of just focusing on the game of what happened, um, I'm going to ask this question kind of get your thoughts on it. and. I'm really kind of – I've thought about this a lot because, you know, both of our families are big Kentucky fans as much as we are not. Mm. Um, has the Calipari magic, like, gone away in Lexington? Like, has it gone now? Because he hasn't made a Final Four since 2015. Seven years. Yeah. Um, obviously, last year was just a terrible year. I think you can kind of throw that out the door. Um, but this year, they're a two seed. Uh, we talked at one point that we thought they could be the team that won it all. And they lose to a 15 seed that really didn't do anything astonishing. They played a zone defense and they had no idea what to do. And so I kind of wonder um, at some point, you know, like we, we've talked about this, like at some point it's got to come down to like, he can't coach 
and you know people will fight that but like now like you see a lot of people like no he can't coach and i think this is like a continued trend with him that in the last five minutes of tournament games he seems to just fall apart and not be able to put a game plan together right i mean i don't know what the issue is or answer is um maybe hiring a better staff, not of just recruiters, maybe a guy like a, I know NFL term, but like offensive coordinator, a guy that can like develop your offense because Calipari, the recruiter, Calipari, the relationship builder, Calipari, the father figure for these kids is like unmatched, right? Like he is their yeah. guy. And that's no question as to look at the classes he brings in and out. But yeah, I mean, it's time to have some conversations. Like, I don't know if that means there's, I mean, they're, they'd be stupid to fire him or have him run him off. Um, but conversations as in like, Hey, like we got to figure some shit out like this year. I mean, and what's weird is like, so last year was a very bad year, right? Brandon Boston, um, Isaiah Jackson, uh, who was his point guard? Um, I mean, they had Terrence uh, Clark. He got hurt. Davion Mintz. Square, Davion Mintz. Um, yeah, just, it's a weird team. Right. Um, didn't work out the one and done. So this year, what's he do? He goes after Oscar Shibway, um, national player of the year, Oscar Shibway junior from West Virginia. He goes after graduate transfer, Kellen Grady, he goes after S sophomore um, Sevilla Wheeler. Like he, he goes and gets these guys that like he goes and gets CJ Frederick who didn't play. Like he gets guys that are power five players that are going to be in the system um, and a veteran college players. And like he fails with those guys, right? Like and you know I'll say I'm biased towards Kentucky. You're not a failure is what that was. Like right, he lost as a two seed to a fifteen seed in a year where they were supposed to be in the final four. Every media member had him in the final four. I had him in the final four in one of my brackets. You know, really high on the team. I thought their depth and their shooting ability was really good. But I mean, their starting lineup is Ty Ty, freshman, severe player, sophomore. Keon Brooks, a junior who can't be, you can't have a game out of like that. National player of the year, Oscar Shibway and Kellen Grady, a senior. I mean, it, like the moment shouldn't be too big for these kids. And it was. Um, I mean, all the UK fans who laugh at Duke for the Mercer and the Lehigh games, like you have your moment now. You have your, like, St. Peter's is going to be a recurring joke that. You can't really like you can't shy away from. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know what the next step is. You know, he met a lot of their their beat writers are you know kind of not turning on him, but they're saying like some questions need to be had and, and like some hard conversations need to look in the mirror. Um, looks like they're going to be losing Shaden Sharp to the draft, which we kind of foregone that's a foregone conclusion for me. If you have an automatic draft lottery pick, like I don't know why you come back and even risk that, right? Like it's not really worth right. it, but. Overall, with Cal, I mean, it's an embarrassing loss. They shot like 54% from the field, 56% from three, and like 86 from the free throw line. UK had 26 more free throws than St. Peter's. Like 26, dude. And like, last thing, we'll kind of touch on Cal after this, but for the last thing about the game is like for every, you know, Roy Williams was known for not calling timeouts. Cal Perry did not call a timeout on that last play, right? Once the game was tied right before overtime. And, you know, UK fans want to call a timeout there instead of a play. But think about how many good moments they have where Malik Monk hits a three against um, North Carolina in the Vegas game in that, that season, yeah. game-winning three. Um, you know, there's there's plenty of moments where they've hit game-winning shots and, you know, you don't call a timeout and you just kind of let the guys free-flow it. I, I don't think it's a terrible idea. It's somewhere in the middle. You can't be mad that it didn't work out and then happy when it does. You have to kind of just plant your feet on one side and that just be your take. Um, and I think Cal has done that. But – I don't know what to do moving forward. They'd be a fool to let him go or let him go to the NBA. Um, unless you're going to replace him with a J Wright or Mark Few. I don't, but those guys haven't had, I mean, Wright is not leaving, but I don't know what the answer is. Um, it's embarrassing. And I think this will be like a stain on, you know, it was, it, UK was trending upwards for the first time in a few years. And this is a, another, you know, one step forward, about seven steps back after that loss on Friday or Thursday. Couldn't believe yeah. it. Couldn't believe it, man. Like, um, so I'm at the gym and uh, my dad texts me and goes, upset alert. And I'm, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. And then like, I look over, like I'm walking by and like the treadmills have like the game on. It's like, they're tied at halftime. And I'm like, oh, okay. I was like, well, you know, they'll probably figure it out. They'll put something together in the second half. And then like, I get home and I see like, they like are have, they're going back and forth and it goes to overtime. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, they'll, they'll put something together in overtime. And I was like, mm -hmm. Oh my God, they don't know how to play against the zone. <laughs> they just they have no idea. Exactly what you said. We were out for St. Patty's Day and just a sim similar thing, right? Like it was tied at halftime and joking around with my buddies. Like that would be hilarious, right? Like, and then the second half starts and like you get to the under 16 media timeout, you get to the under 12. And like in any upset in sports, and especially college basketball, 
you, the longer you let the team hang around, the more confident and the tighter that you get as a team, right? And that, I mean, it's exactly what happened. The momentum shift towards St. Peter's, the arena full of Tennessee fans starts rooting for like St. Peter's. Like it just got really crazy. Um, yeah, just biggest upset in a while. Um, I know Ohio State was a two seed last year at Oral Roberts, but different. I mean, this is the most embarrassing loss in Kentucky postseason history. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And given all the circumstances, I don't know what they do moving forward, but um, just rebuild, I guess, like they always will. They have a good class coming in next year, but I think I think fans are getting want more results, and that loss for Saturday didn't help. So or Thursday didn't help. So yeah, I agree. And we can we can kind of snowball this into the SEC as a whole, right? Like all year it was <laughs> SEC's the best, SEC's the best, SEC's the best, ACC's the worst, right? Like one bit ACC league. Well, the ACC has three teams in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah. The yeah. SEC has one team in the Sweet 16 and one team in the NIT Elite Eight. Yep, and Auburn got absolutely boat raced, and we talked about that. I they had were him, terrible. I had, I had Miami beating Auburn in my bracket, like because I thought Auburn's guards are their downfall, and they forget that they have Jabari Smith and <laughs> it, Katie Johnson and Wendell Green and Jed Zapsford. Like those guys, like they just fucking. I mean, they don't. They're wild, and it working. It works when you're at home and you can feed off momentum. But you get away from your home court, and it gets crazy. Um. But yeah, we can, I mean, let's start, we can kind of just touch on the Sweet 16 games, you know, starting with Gonzaga, Arkansas, but the SEC is the biggest loser of this tournament. Um, you know, the big, it's usually what the Big Ten does. Big Ten will have nine teams in the tournament and they haven't won an t- NCAA title in 22 years, but yeah, uh, it's just the SEC, you know, came in with all the smoke and they're tucking their tail and going home. So yeah. And the Big Ten didn't look very good either Mm-mm. this weekend. No. Um, yeah. So let's go, uh, let's get, yeah, let's touch it real quick. So obviously we touched on Kentucky, uh, Tennessee, who we, you know, were pretty high on coming out of the SEC tournament, uh, loses to Michigan in the second round. Michigan decides to be the team we thought they would be in the preseason. So mm-hmm. thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Yeah. Gonna be honest. I really, Barnes, really don't like the Michigan jerseys. Thought they looked very Lakers ish. I hate the the blue M and then spelled out. That's weird. Yeah. Um, I think the colorway is great. Did you see the video of Chris Weber and uh, Juwan? Yeah. You said that. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, that was really cool. cool to see that. But yeah, speaking of time to have conversation, Rick Barnes, like, Oof. I mean, what, like, his tournament record is sub 500. Like, he just has talented teams that just cannot get over the hump. Last year, losing to an Oregon State team that was terrible, that made the Elite Eight. This year, you know, playing Michigan, which is a tough second round matchup, albeit, but like, you got to find a way to win that game with how much talent they have. And just, and that, like, and that's a team that, like, they're not, where they're going to lose Fulkerson, they're going to lose Josiah Jordan-James, and they're going to lose Kennedy Chandler, and they're going to be kind of middle-of-the-road average next year. Same with Auburn, like, right? Like, they hit the lottery with Jabari, and they hit the lottery with Walker Kessler. Now, what do you do next? Now, attack the transfer portal and do all this, but really, like, really devastating losses for both of those teams. So, but yeah, we'll start with one SEC team that is left. Um, I think it's the first game on Thursday. It is Gonzaga and Arkansas. Arkansas beat a Vermont team that was um, a trendy upset pick. And then beat New Mexico State Saturday night, um, and a really ugly like rock fight game, like first to fifty wins. Um, yeah, just I think Arkansas can hang with them, but I I, I don't see a world where Gonzaga loses. Um, yeah, oh, I think right. Gonzaga their Gonzaga lost been um, right when the Memphis round or Memphis game happened. Uh, Memphis was has the athletes able to run with them, um, and you know it still kind of bit them in the ass at the end there because Gonzaga drew Timmy went insane in the second half. So kind of where are you at with Arkansas and Gonzaga? Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I can't see a situation where, where Gonzaga loses. I just don't feel like, you know, they're, I feel like they're the team that's going to win it at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they're the best, you know, I say that and they probably won't because it's what happens with them. And when I say they're going to be really good, so like if I told everyone this this week when they were mad at me about Kentucky losing, cause I, I spoke highly of them. I said, don't ask me. Because I'm the wrong guy to ask. Right. If I tell not, you I like how a team plays, they're going to get beat. It's a six-game tournament. Like, got to win six games in a row. That's really hard to do in the regular season, let alone in a tournament environment. Um, yeah. I think the key for Gonzaga is Chet and Timmy are going to get theirs. Um, but if Rasir Bolton, Andrew Nimhart, uh, Julian Strother are hitting their shots, like, just pack it in. You're not going to beat them that night. And that was that second half run against Memphis. Timmy was getting his. They started immediately doubling the post, trapping inside, and Strother and Rasir Bolton and Nimhart were able to just kind of pick them apart there. Um, How about Jalen Duren bodying Chet Holmgren? Yeah, that dunk was gross. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I think Chet will be a great NBA prospect once he gets played on him. But like, if you had the gun to my head right now, I had to draft the better player. Like right now, it's Duran. But five years down the road, I could be very wrong. I think what Chet can do is a lot better than Jalen. But you know, NBA development—that's why they go to the league. It's because they're going to be on a meal plan. They're going to be on strength and conditioning, and they're going to be monsters in two years. So, yeah, um, I think I think Chet is a better motor too. Mm-hmm. Like Jalen yeah, definitely has signs where he just kind of stops playing. Chet will grab a rebound, take coast to coast, and hit somebody in the corner for a three, and you're just like, how the hell did that happen in two right, seconds, yeah. right? Like, it's very impressive. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with that one. Um, I'll, I'll probably – I'm going to lean yeah, – I don't know exactly what the spread is right now. I'm um, kind of have not looked at it. But Zag would be a hard lean. I think just they're the best team left in the tournament. They've shown it all year. So, that takes us to the second game, which is, I think, the most the best matchup on Thursday. Thursday mm-hmm. is the best day of basketball. Friday's got some good games, but Thursday is unbelievable. Um you're going to get Texas Tech playing Duke, um, a top-five defensive team against a top-five offensive team. Really going to be a fun game to watch. I thought it was going to be Notre Dame versus Duke um, the way the Irish had a run yesterday. But, God, what a terrible minute and a half that ended up just costing that game. Um, yeah, Blake Wesley looked very freshman-esque. Yeah, he had a couple moments driving, kicking out to nobody, like panicking. Um But it was fun. That was a good game to watch. Um, I lean Texas Tech here. I have, like – I. I really do. I, I think do their too. defense, but would not be surprised with Duke. Paolo looked phenomenal. Jeremy Roach is the key for that team. Um, they get buckets from Wendell Moore, and they get buckets from Paolo whenever they want. Mark Williams is a monster on the defensive end. Um, but when Roach is making shots, that team is a completely different team. Um, he's able to facilitate the offense, hit down big, knock down big threes when he's open. Um, just really, really makes a tough matchup. Um, I think Texas Tech – can guard them defensively. I just don't know if they can put up enough points offensively. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, they probably... are, they're a terrible shooting team. They're really bad at shooting the ball. And you got to be able to make shots against Duke because they're, yeah. they're not going to not gonna limit them like crazy. You might be able to slow them down, but you're going to have to counterbalance. You're going to have to you know, react to what they're giving here. So, um, yeah, I think it sets up for a Duke and Zagger rematch in the Elite Eight, and I'm all here for it. So I think that would be very fun. I lean. Yeah, I, lean fun. I mean, we can just make our pick here for who comes out of the region. Um, I'd go Gonzaga, then Texas Tech. I think it'll be Gonzaga, Texas Tech in the Elite Eight, and with Gonzaga winning. That's my pick. Yeah. I, uh, I'm going to take Duke. I really want to take Texas Tech. Um, I know, I know. But how Palo played when they really needed him in stretches in that game against like Michigan State was really impressive. Um, I know it was they, close. Michigan and... State folded like a cheap lawn chair. Yeah. They got punched, they, they got hit with some adversity and they panicked and Duke went on that like 8-0 run. But sorry, continue. I didn't want to cut you off there. No, no, you're great. It was totally accurate. Um, so yeah, I just kind of think like with what Palo's or Palo's at, I thoroughly think he's gonna be able to kind of do his thing in that game. Um, you know, you mentioned the guys are AJ Griffin, Mark Williams. Like there's a reason Duke has four guys who are gonna get drafted this year. Um, mm-hmm. and I really worry about that with Texas Tech, uh, trying mm-hmm. to keep up with that. So um, I would love for Texas Tech to win. Hopefully, this Tim Daniel jinx I have works here, um, and Texas Tech does win. Um, but yeah, I just I have a hard time picking against the Blue Devils in this game. Um, but yeah, I think that they will lose to Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga yeah. definitely comes out of that region. Right now, it's Gonzaga minus nine against Arkansas, and Texas Tech minus one. Mm. That does feel like a game where everybody's going to bet on Duke. Um, so. If you follow the money, it might be like a smart little bet here on Texas Tech. But yeah. that leads us to the other games on Thursday um, at 7.30. It'll be the Michigan Wolverines taking on the Villanova Wildcats. Um, Villanova handled a, a good Delaware team. Yep, 2018 title game. Um, line spread is Villanova minus five. Um, I am enamored with this Villanova team. I, I love them. I think Michigan matches up well with what Villanova wants to do. But Nova just consistently answers the bell, right? Like, there will be a game. They'll cruise. They'll cruise. They'll, every time the other opposing team will make a run and cut it to two or three or even tie the game, there's no panic on that sideline in Villanova. Gillespie's a great point guard, great college point guard. Samuels is awesome. Justin Moore just makes big shot after big shot. Dixon's been playing out of his mind. Like, I just think this Villanova team is built for teams to make a run and, come like, tie the game, and they're cool, calm, and collected, and I think they can move on. Um, that wouldn't be surprising. I think Caleb Houston and Hunter Dickinson can like can have really good matchups for um, for Michigan. Frankie Collins has played really well in this tournament, which has been surprising given how much he struggled this year. But um, I think Villanova controls the pace, and I I, I lean for teams that can do that. Um, I think minus five is 
is, I mean, a decent line. I, I wouldn't have it any higher than that. I think if you get up in the six, seven range, you can talk me into taking Michigan, but if this gets bet down, I'd be, I'd be, I'd, I'd be looking heavy to get on it, get involved with Villanova. So. Yeah. I'm taking Villanova as well. I just feel like uh, Michigan's going to have to have Hunter Dickinson play his best game. And that still might not be enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about just how deep Villanova is and you talk about just, you know, Colin Gillespie and everything he's been able to do. We're talking about Jay Wright here. Um, this kind of goes best down coach to that in whole, the country. Yeah. Best coach in the country. Absolutely. We're at the situation where, you know, when you're picking a team in the tournament, you're either picking a veteran led team or a very talented team. In this case, Villanova is the more talented team and the more veteran team. So and the best coach. I am, yeah, and the best coach. And I love Juwan Howard. I think what he's yep. done in this tournament's been great. That moment with Kennedy Chandler at the end of the game was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that's good. I, it's awesome. I do have something funny to say there. It's very sportsmanship. Kennedy Chandler was almost going to Michigan, right? Juwan's a big figure in his life, all this and that. But I love the tweets were like, make sure you retweet this, make sure you watch this just like you did the Wisconsin fight. It's like, I'm sorry, when a dude smacks the dude doing in the this? face. I know, but it's it's like, but the, the it's funny to me when it's like, you know, make sure you talk about this just as much as you did about punching in the face. Like, it's great sportsmanship, and it's it was awesome to see, and it was like a cool moment. But like, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna forget that Jawan Howard just snatched <laughs> snatched the dude's the face, dude. and it was amazing. Like, I I could care less. I, I wasn't calling for his job. I wasn't calling for suspension. Like, I thought what he got was warranted. But don't act, don't tell me that one is not funnier than the other. Like, they can, they can be. You don't have to make them compare them. But that's just kind of the way it goes. So. But yeah, I'm at Villanova coming out of the bottom of that region, uh, and this leads to listen. I have faded this team in the tournament, and we texted about it, Houston. But my God, have they been impressive? Like impressive. Yeah. Jelly Walker and UAB came in there, a, a trendy upset, and Houston just dominated that game from the opening tip, and then they beat the shit out of a, um, a Illinois team that was not like wasn't even ready for that game. Houston was no. Like, if they had Sasser and they had uh, the other. Like, Drawing a blank on the other kid that's hurt, but if they had him, I mean, they'd be a one seed, two seed that could be a title. Like, and, they, and they're still playing in for a title right now. So, the yeah. line. Do you? Ha- I have the line in front of me. I don't know if you've had it, have it up or anything. But I haven't looked at it yet. What do you think the opening line is for Arizona, Houston? Arizona, two and a half. Two. That's crazy to me. You have it. I mean, it, it's crazy. I. But I. I ben I mean, Matherin, after- man, I love him so much. That dunk was disgusting last night. I don't yeah. know if you saw it. That was absolutely post. Put him on a poster. But if you're if you watched the TCU Arizona game last night, um, what TCU was able to do in the half court and what they were able to do defensively, coughing, making Arizona cough up turnovers, Houston had to be licking their chops there. Like because that is exactly what they do. Um, I don't I don't know where I'm at with off the lean here, but I would not be surprised if Houston ended up winning this game. You? I would not be surprised. Um, to the point that I think I'm going to take them. And I I really, really like this Arizona team. You know, I just talked about Ben Mather, and I like Christian Coloco a lot. I've talked about how I would love if he dropped to the Bulls in the 20s in the first round of the right. NBA draft. Um, just a great, really good defensive guy who can kind of fill in for Vooch's defensive flaws. But um, just the way Houston's playing, and maybe this is part of me because I've seen them in person, and I just kind of I really like how they play. Uh, like you, so, you know, obviously being without Marcus Sasser is really huge and he's been gone for a while and they figure out how to play without him. And that's the really, but Fabian White has been tremendous for months now. Like um, I know they've had some losses in that, in that time frame, but I, I mean, his game really kind of translated really well in the college game. And I think that they're just Kelvin Sampson, veteran coach, veteran team. So yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to go Houston here. I don't feel the most confident in it, but I'm taking the upset. Yeah, I haven't made a decision yet. Uh, it's It'll probably be the feel of the moment right before the game tips, but mm-hmm. would not be shocked either way. I love this Arizona team. Um, we've been talking about them all year. I've been high on them. But yeah, Houston, like they get a, if they can dictate the game and make it chaos, nobody thrives better than Houston. Um, I think this is a – like I said, Thursday is a fantastic day of basketball. You're getting Arkansas, Gonzaga, Michigan, Villanova, Texas Tech, Duke, Houston, Arizona. That's so as much as you want to say upsets don't like you wish for upsets, you wish for this. Like when you get to the sweet 16 elite eight and there's some great games, like there's nothing better than getting off work and propping your feet up and watching good basketball for four hours. So that leads us into Friday. Um, well, wait, starting, wait. Sorry, take Villanova to come out of the South. Oh, correct. Yeah. I'm, I will take Villanova. Um, I'll take the winner of Villanova Michigan to come out of the South. Yeah. If Michigan wins. I think they found something and I think they can keep it rolling. So, um, so right. 
got this comment from Josh. Yeah. I don't disagree. Uh, I don't I either. Houston has looked – I mean, if you re-rank the Sweet 16 teams, I think Houston and, Villain, Houston and Arizona are four, four and five maybe. Like, mm. um, with just how impressive these teams have been. So, this leads us to Friday night um, in the east, the bottom left of the bracket. It'll be the St. Peter's Peacocks taking on the Purdue Boilermakers. Um, Remember they beat Kentucky? Good times. Good times. But the opening line, St. Peter's – sorry, Purdue minus 12 and a half. Is this, the right. game where, is this the game where it comes crashing down or continuing around and make it close? I will say this. I absolutely love how St. Peter's plays defense. You know, when they play zone, it's not a Band-Aid. When they play mm-hmm. man, it is, like, just perfect. They play the perfect college basketball defense of what you want from a team. Right. Um, but, you know, look, those two wins are absolutely awesome. Being a good Murray State team, which sounds like Matt McLean is on the LSU radar. Um, yeah, and then... he's accepted it already. Oh, did he? Yep. Okay. Well, that that's wasn't that we'll touch on our coaching carousel segment <laughs> after this, right? Um, and then um, you know, obviously, what they did against Kentucky and just completely Shaquem Holloway completely out coaching John Calipari. Shocking, mm-hmm. I know. Got himself um, a payday and got himself a new job in a couple weeks too. Yeah, so. he did right. for sure. Um, Seton Hall is now open. All right. Kevin Willard going to Maryland, which we'll talk about that. So maybe that's that was with a maybe oh, Kevin yeah. Willard was planning that. Who knows? But mm-hmm. you know, Jaden Ivey is tremendous. Um, I've gotten to the point with Jaden Ivey where all year we've talked about it being Paolo, Chet, Jabari. And I think Jaden Ivey's in that conversation with those guys. I think you mm-hmm. can make the case to me that Ivey is the number one pick in the draft, depending on who mm-hmm. has it. Um, if the Pacers win the lottery. Dude, Jaden Ivey is absolutely perfect for the Pacers. Exactly. Absolutely perfect. Tremendous. Guard, um, you can put aside Halliburton and let him like let him roll it, roll it yeah, out there and play. Like you still have Brogdon for at least the offseason um, right. if they decide to keep him. Um, yeah, I I like I like him a lot. So I just think Purdue's just gonna have too much for them. Purdue's a much better offensive team than Kentucky was this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Purdue was the best offense in the country. So this is where, you know, hats off. Like you said, Holloway probably is gonna be the Seton Hall coach here in a couple of days. Um, because Friday will be their last game, but an unbelievable run and, you know, produced just tremendous offensively. Yeah. Oral Roberts last year took Arkansas to the, the max in the Sweet 16 game, right? Like it was, and I, I could see a similar world where this happens. Um, now, granted, Max Aismas and Kevin O'Banner aren't on the St. Peter's roster. Um, they have Doug, who's the white boy who can absolutely spray, which is awesome. But mm-hmm. um, I, I'm with you. I think this is where it ends. And not, I, I don't know about 12, 12 and a half. I, I would be weary laying that with Purdue just because in the moment you're probably going to be rooting for St. Peter's. So maybe just take the over or something and just try to enjoy that. But I could see a world where they keep it close, but I don't see a world where, where they win. Um, as a Carolina fan, I am hoping the brand will play St. Peter's because the thought of Purdue terrifies me. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go Purdue here. Um, I haven't really thought revenge, about though. Correct. Good point. I haven't really thought of a side here um, on what I'm going to take. So, um, gut says, gut says Purdue heart says St. Peter's. That's where I'm at. Yeah. And then the game after that, which will be at 9:30 and following immediate tip, it is the UCLA, UCLA Bruins led by Nick Cronin taking on the North Carolina Tar Heels and Hubert Davis. Um, UCLA opens as a two and a half point favorite. What are your thoughts before I give mine? You don't want to know my thoughts. Oh boy. Yeah. Cause I think. I I have a hard time not taking North Carolina in this game. I know. And, like, I just think that the way that Armando Bacot has played has been awesome. And it just he's been tremendous. And when Caleb Love is shooting, they're such a different team, and he's been shooting the ball well. And, um, you know, Mick RJ versus Hubert. Yeah, RJ Davis. Um, if they had Dawson Garcia, I would feel so comfortable. Um, I, I feel so comfortable, but um, yeah, I think I'm going to take the Tar Heels. I don't love it because I'm I don't want you to get mad at me if they don't win, um, or or Luster or any of any of our right. North Carolina listeners. Um, but I I'm really excited about this game. It's my favorite game of the week. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm truly Plus, excited. We were supposed to get this game in December, and so we finally get it. Yeah, what we get instead? Kentucky beating Carolina by 38 points. It was a ter- terrible, terrible, terrible day for me. But got the last laugh now. Time to get some revenge from the CBS Sports Classic. Um, 
yeah, I'm, I'm pretty nervous, but I think we match up well with, I say we, but I think Carolina matches up well with UCLA. Um, RJ Davis and Tiger Campbell are great together. Um, Peacock for life. I love seeing that. <laughs> uh, but yes, RJ Davis against Tiger Campbell, Armando Baycott, Cody Riley. I give us the advantage there. Um, Jamie, Jaime Jaquez rolled his ankle pretty bad. Um, yeah, game time game. decision. Yeah, I, I'd be surprised if he plays. If he does, limited minutes. Um, Peyton Watson's really good, but I, I think slow it out dogfight game. Carolina's been in those this year against Virginia, against Virginia Tech, against Notre Dame, who started running recently, but they've been in games like that and they've had success. I think that with the way Brady Manick's shooting the ball, like you have to, Carolina, you have to guard them from half court in, like, right? Like they're, they're able to shoot over top of you and, and make baskets. Um, and that just frees up for Armando Baycott. The guards are so, like, they play so free in this pick and roll offense that, I was I was giving so much anger towards in the middle of the year because how poor they were playing, but it, they're they're truly gelling at the right time. Like I know this sounds cliche, like it, it's giving me big like Kentucky 2014 vibes where they were an eight seed and they beat Wichita State, and they just like they have the talent, they can just go on a run, and they have the outside shooting that I think can will them against anybody. Um, would not be shocked with the UCLA win here, um, but gut and heart both say lean Carolina with the points. So yeah. And then, I don't uh, think I truly don't think it matters though. The lose the winner of this game, I don't see a world where they beat Purdue. I don't either. I take Purdue out of the East. Um, I agree with that. Uh-huh. And then so. our last Friday games we've got at 7:30, Kansas and Providence. Um my guy Ed Cooley in the Sweet 16. The luckiest you know team in the country's luck keeps coming. I I bet against them against South Dakota State. They proved me wrong. I bet against them with Richmond. The game was never close. Um, say what you want about luck and skill and all this stuff, but I think this team plays hard for them. Um, mm-hmm. and I think they're on a run that they they can match. Now, if you're a Kansas fan, you are licking your chops with how the bottom of that bracket opened up. If you get by Providence, yeah. you have a walk to the Final Four. So, well, maybe not walk, but compared to Wisconsin and and Auburn, you're getting Iowa State or Miami. That's a pretty good win for you. Yeah, it is. Um, man. This game's hard. Um, I think Kansas will win, but I love Nate Watson for Providence. Um, he's a really good big man. He's a perfect college basketball big man, mm-hmm. and he's going to give them all the fits in the world he possibly can. They're very physical. Ed Cooley is a really good coach, so it's not like Bill Self doesn't have someone. I wouldn't say it's his, his equal by any means because Self's incredible, but Ed Cooley is a guy who can he can trick you, and he can get some plays off that uh, you aren't expecting. But Kansas with with Obaji with Ogbaji, uh, I just kind of think they're a little better. And I I would not I know we've said this about every game. I feel like Chris Weber right now, but um, I would not be shocked if we are here talking about Providence winning this game. Mm-hmm. But to be safe and because I took some risks already, I'm going to go with Kansas. Um, but I, I'm excited for this game. I'm taking Providence plus seven and a half, but Kansas is going to win the game. I think That's it's a close game where Providence is leading or playing well the whole game and Kansas squeaks by at the end. But um, similar to the Creighton game, uh, Kansas kind of was in a dogfight there. But I, I see a world where Kansas wins. Um, I think they come out of the, the, the region no matter who they play. Uh, that'll be just the last game. Um, Iowa, Iowa State, sorry, versus Miami. Miami's opens up as a one-and-a-half point dog. This is my best bet of the entire Sweet 16. Miami's going to kill them. Kill I, them. Yeah. Yeah, because the Iowa State Wisconsin game was the worst basketball game I've watched in a long time, and Iowa State gave up open three after open three, and their guards aren't athletic enough to hang with Iowa State with McGusty, Charlie Moore, Isaiah Wong. Um, I think there's that trio of guards are phenomenal to watch, and I think they're going to have a field day against Iowa State. Yeah, this is the ultimate offense versus defensive game. Miami is 18th in the country in offensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. And Iowa State is fifth in the country in defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. Yeah. I had the uh, under in under in Wisconsin, Iowa State, and it was the easiest bet I ever made in my entire life. Like, I, like yeah. just watching, I never once was even concerned. Yeah, there was no, no. sweating. It was just, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, this is going to happen. Um, I'm going to take Miami, too. I just think their yep. athleticism is going to take over. Um, you know, great year for Iowa State. For who we thought they'd two be. Year, two or two wins last year? Yeah. I mean, one one in Brooklyn in the Big Ten. I mean, the uh, preseason NIT. So, kudos, man. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, I'm taking that. And then I'm taking Kansas to go out of that region. Yep. So, I think I, I think our final force is the same. I think we have Gonzaga, Purdue, Villanova, Kansas. 
Yep. Um, I think, and uh, I think we're going to see a Gonzaga Kansas national championship game. Yeah. With the Kansas Jayhawks winning. So wait, hold on. Gonzaga, Gonzaga, Purdue on one end. No, Kansas is not beating Villanova. Okay. All right. Well, no. we'll see. No, 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 no. We'll see. No. Hopefully, we can have that conversation Sunday once the Elite Eight games are final. Yeah. I mean, you know, we just happened to have the Final Four during WrestleMania weekend. That's cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah. What Appreciate a weird, it. weird scheduling conflict. Yeah. Um, Baseball's later that week for opening day. And yeah. What so bizarre. Next week, the um, week after the NBA playoffs, we'll be an indie for the EYBL. Yeah. And then April's Smith a busy League. month. Yeah. Yeah, fun little fun little end of the month. But yeah, that's that's where I'm at with the NCAA tournament. Um, it's after I mean, last night was I think the Sunday of the NCAA tournament weekend is always the worst. That night when you're laying in bed, just be like I had four days of basketball where like now I have to get back <laughs> to my responsibilities and you know hang out with your wife or do chores around the house. There's moments where you're like, oh man, I gotta I gotta do some things now. Um, but yeah, it's I can't wait for Thursday Friday. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, and obviously Saturday Sunday setting up for some great um, elite eight matchups if we get there. So. Now to touch on some other news, which would be the coaching changes. Um, let's start. Well, take it away, man. Our emergency podcast that we had earlier this week yeah. came to fruition pretty quickly. It did. Um, yeah, man. It's pretty cool. Um, obviously, so you met, I was coming back from Louisville on Saturday when you messaged, sent me the thing that um, from Jeff Goodman saying that Sean Miller had accepted his job. And my wife was like, why are you so excited? And I was like, I'm trying my hardest to drive right now, but this is wonderful news. Mm-hmm. And so not only the fact that they got him being Sean Miller, but they got him at a very rational price. And I don't know if that's just because like, um, I think it's a little of what happened. Yeah. And so I think it should have placed a part and look, there are some Xavier fans that are not happy about this. There are some that are very upset and I understand but this is Sean Miller who, you know, if you look at all these positions that are open, all, you know, he was really close to taking the South Carolina job according to a lot of reports. Uh, Maryland's open. So, you know, all these major P5 positions are open and Xavier got the best available coach. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. Um, right. You know, I, know, I know Kevin Willard's a great coach and he's going to Maryland and we'll touch on that probably for a few minutes, but. This is going to be a big game changer for them. I don't know how the roster is going to look because we've heard, we've heard a lot of different stuff going on. Um, you know, whether this guy or that guy's going to leave and transfer out, which that's going to happen. Uh, Tyrell Ward did decommit, obviously, but he did say Xavier's still on his list. So give Sean an opportunity to kind of try to keep him. And yeah, that's huge. Um, seems like Desmond Claude's pretty excited. His mom was like pretty, was all over Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, liking tweets about it. So that's, that's good news. And, um, this it's going to be, you know, it's, it's a breath of fresh air, you know, being at an NIT game yesterday when they were playing Florida, just the excitement in Cintas to feel that again, which I haven't felt in a couple of years was awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think it was a home run hire. We talked about it in our emergency press or post get your emergency podcast. Um, it revitalizes the program. Um, a guy that's won there, a guy that's won everywhere he's been um, immediately comes in as the second best coach in the big East can recruit his ass off with NIL. He's going to be able to do it clean now. Um, but the, yeah, the opportunities that they were going to have here, um, they're in the big East now, which, you know, he was in the Atlantic 10 when he was there. Recruiting is going to be a lot easier. Yeah. As you said, the people, the roster, the current day roster, um, some will go, some will stay. Um, it's gonna, he's probably going to have to recruit half the roster, but the transfer portal will be open and, he can pick and choose some. I think this is where he can kind of get some veteran guards that want to come play at some mid-major guards that want to come play at Xavier, and then he can re-recruit those positions in the following year, right? Like take a one-year flyer, like a gap spot. But love it for Xavier, love it for you and my friends that are Xavier fans. Um, makes the rivalry with Cincinnati like you know it went from Miller John versus Brandon, Miller, John Brandon versus Travis Steele, West Miller versus Sean Miller. That's a lot better, and I think everybody sees that. So excited yeah. um it'll it'll elevate both programs and i think immediate success for xavier's on the horizon yeah i think it's going to be a lot of fun um you know obviously the big thing is everyone's hoping is please god keep colby jones mm-hmm. like if everyone goes and colby stays i think everyone's happy um mm-hmm. jack nudgy too uh, i think you know yeah. but this is a guy who you know we talk about like people like want to point out like he didn't do so well in arizona and that's certainly not the case i mean he was mm-hmm. in sweet 16s he recruited very well uh, he had, let's see, 
two off the top of my head lottery picks I can think of that he recruited to Arizona, and I know what the joke's going to be uh, as I say that. But um, also important to note, Xavier's athletic director, Greg Christopher, is actually on the NCAA Infractions Committee. So he must feel pretty, pretty comfortable. Yeah. Um, you know, there's still a possibility Sean could get suspended. Um, but what, if he gets suspended for four games, you know, is anyone going to be upset? I don't think so. Right. Um, so he will. I yeah. think he will. Yeah. It'll yeah. be fun, man. I'm excited. Um, yeah, let's kind of go around a little bit. So I just saw Florida yesterday. Um, and they're going to have Todd Golden coming in. I really like that hire. But I also kind of feel bad for Todd Golden because it's pretty well known at this point, like whoever you talk to, that Anthony Grant was offered the job from Dayton. Mm-hmm. And they offered him a good chunk of money, and he decided to stay at Dayton. You know, obviously, I understand it. His team is a really good team awesome. at Dayton. I was like, they're going to be so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they lost yesterday to Vandy in the NIT, I know. But I still think Golden's a really good hire for, my, for Florida. Um, this, you know, between their basketball and football programs, trying to get back to who they were when we were kids, obviously. Um, so this could be a good step for them. Um, their roster is not very good at the moment. Right, Watching but- them play yesterday, it was kind of rough. But hopefully that's the rest of the fresh air they need to kind of bring them back to being, you know, you know, not even to Billy Donovan states because that's impossible to do at some in some cases. But um, I, like the, I like the hire for them. I think it's a good move for them. Yeah, I think – um, he's a very anal- analytical guy. Um, all the San Francisco teams were very deep in analytics and whatnot. Um, it's another guy. If he can attack the NIL and he can learn how to you know manage that and get some recruits in there, I think Florida's a place where you can flourish. Um, SEC job that is going to require the best of recruits. Um, and I think he's a great X's and those coach. But yeah, I mean, I don't. If it, it, we talked about it last week with mid-major coaches, right? Like. There's a learning curve, and you hope there's enough time, and he can build a roster that can compete immediately. But we'll have to see. I think he's a great coach, but would not. Um, I think if out of McMahon, Dennis Gates, Golden, I'm more confident in Golden out of everybody. I think Florida's an easy place to win at. So, yeah, how hard is it to recruit kids to Florida? Right, and then that'll, that'll lead us into the news that broke today. Matt McMahon, the head coach of Murray State after his loss Saturday or Thursday to, um, or Friday, sorry, Saturday to St. Peter's. Uh, he's going to be the new head coach at Louisiana State University, LSU. Um, he was he was in line for the South Carolina job. He ended up choosing LSU over South Carolina, which has got to be a kick in the nuts to the Gamecock fans because LSU is going to be under some sort of probation and you lost a head coach that's going to willing to go sit on probation before taking your job. But I think he's a really good coach. Um I know I just said that he would probably be the one to fail out of Matt Mc, out of the three, but um, or you know not sorry I said Todd Golden's better, but I think McMahon's a, a great coach, had success at Murray State. He can recruit, he can find the, he can find guys. And I think another way of attacking the portal is going to be big for them. So excited to see it. SEC's had is, was the best conference in the regular season this year, um, and they're getting two really good coaches. So any thoughts on him? No, I'm excited for him. I think he'll do a good job. It sucks he's going to be losing Tari Eason because Tari Eason's a thousand percent going to the NBA. Um, but yeah, and he's going to have a good chance to get some guys in there. Um, LSU is a good basketball program. You know, they mm-hmm. have been for a while now. Um, you know, regardless of what happened during the Ben Simmons year and all that jazz. But right. I like this. You know, I like that program. I think he'll do really well there. Uh, I'm excited for him. Um, yeah. There's one more SEC hiring Dennis Gates. Well, not official yet, but it'll be official by the time we get together for our next podcast. Um, he he'll be going to Missouri. Oh, really? I did not see that. Yeah, yeah he he apparently there was videos of him leaking. Jeff Goodman said it's all but a good deal, all but a done deal announcement tomorrow. There was videos of him at the airport today getting picked up, private like flying flying private in, get picked was up. Was he wearing the clear team. mask? Like I didn't didn't see that, but he might have spiked it if he was. But I don't love this hire. I feel like Missouri, you could have got. Golden or a Matt McMahon or any of the people listed. Um, but feels like a very Washington repeat of the kinds of Martin. Um, and I, I don't, I don't love that from Missouri hoops. So any clear takeaway there? I know you worked the last game he worked at Cleveland state. So, you know, uh, for Missouri beat writers, when you take notes during press, during pressers, just make sure you just write down the word culture mm. because you're going to hear it a lot. Yeah. Everything is about adjusting to their culture and, mm-hmm buying into their culture. And now he had culture. success at Cleveland state, which was not a very good job in the horizon league. He had two really good years no. there. So I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, I could be, I could eat crow on that and 
been known to do that, but I, I don't love the hire from the outside looking in at Missouri. But and yeah. I know the Missouri uh, that three man weave guys, two of the three are Missouri grads, and they were not excited about the hire. So that may be me. That may be me portraying my their thoughts on onto my thoughts here too. But um, and lastly, the last SEC job that is open it is South Carolina. Um, Matt Norlander tweeted today that it, yeah, Matt Matt Norlander tweeted today that the athletic department's kind of in a disjointed mess um, with who they offered and who they didn't get. They, you know, they offered Miller, they offered McMahon, they offered Todd Golden, didn't get any of them. Um, looks like they're going to get Lamont Paris from Chattanooga, which would be a nice step up. The eight, if you ever, if you're into reading teams message boards, go to South Carolina, read their um, reaction to the hiring. They're not happy. So if anything, I, mean, I think, he, I think he's a decent coach, but, We'll have to let that one ride. I think South Carolina is a tough place to win. They don't really have an identity in basketball or football, so it's really hard for them to um, – well, now they do with Beamer, but it's really hard for them to win in basketball. So, Don Staley. She wins yeah. a lot there. Good point. So. Yeah, someone's got to. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm kind of meh on that as well. Um, but, I, you know, I'm ex- – I'm not excited. I can't. Yeah, lie. It's, I, I mean, maybe Matt McMahon to LSU, but in Todd Golden, Florida. But other than that, the SEC hirings are kind of meh. But yeah, I will say I Jerry Stackhouse. Like, I thought he was going to be on the hot seat for a while. What he did this year, like, I know he's probably going to lose Scottie Pippen Jr. But like, like what he did, like the, he, he's building something there, and it's good to see because he had a couple of, that rough that rough year. That first year was rough with him getting into it with the media and whatnot. But I, I like to see a guy have success there, especially being a Tar Heel. So um, that leads us to the Big Ten hiring their head coach. Pretty much foregone conclusion. We called it a couple weeks ago. And boy, did his team play like it in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Yes, they Um, did. Kevin Willard, the former head coach at Seton Hall, will now be the head coach at Maryland. Kind of want to get your thoughts on it. A guy that achieved at a place like Seton Hall but didn't do anything too crazy. Um, Is he overrated, properly rated, or underrated head coach? I think it's properly rated. I like Kevin Willard a lot. I thought that Seton Hall team had stretches this year where they were awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they played pretty rough in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, they probably, you know, like you, you said, you, probably, you joked about maybe they did know the writing was on the wall. Um, but, you know, Seton Hall is always competitive. I mean, he's been, he's coached a top 10 team before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've had some, some really good runs. They were 21 11 this year. You know, they're a really good defensive team year in and year out. Um, and, you know, he had Miles Powell for a big stretch of his success at Seton Hall. He's going to get three Miles Powells now play, coaching at a place like the, uh, like that that really cares about, um, you know, right. he has like the, the budget he ha- he's going to have there. Um, I will say he will a thousand percent miss the atmosphere he had at home. Yeah, um, that's I mean, Maryland basketball fans are awesome, but those Seton Hall fans were incredible and yeah. they traveled for games and stuff like that. So it's going to be. It might be more of a lateral move for him with how Maryland has been the past few years, yep. but budget-wise, institution-wise, you know, being them, had, being the king of Under Armour, yeah, yep. had to take the job. Um, I'm with you. I think it's a good move for him. I think he can get them back to to um, relevancy, which is kind of all they want, really. Which is a great basketball job, great recruiting job. He's got to build a staff around him that can recruit the DMV. Um, if he does that, I think he, you know, he'll thrive there. Um, yeah, that that sets up for who will take his place at Seton Hall, and I think it's already done. <laughs> Shaheen Holloway from St. Peter's. I yeah, think okay, yeah, we said that earlier in the show. Yeah, I think he's the next head coach at Seton Hall. Has to be. Played there, went to the last week 16 with Seton Hall. I think it's a no-brainer. That guy, has his, his players fight for him, and it may be a emotional spur of the moment higher, but I think it's an easy, easier, I mean, lock it down now. Yeah, I didn't go on Seton Hall board to see what they were saying, but I'm sure, I'm sure that's I'm sure that's yeah. the name. Exactly, the hot hand. I mean, it happens all the time. So that's where I'm at. Uh, I think that's is that it for the coaching changes. As far as I know, I can't think of yeah. any top of my head. Oh, I mean, Jerome Katie Tang. Payne. Yeah, and Jerome Tang. Jerome Tang, the Baylor assistant, is now the head coach at Kansas State. Which is oh, okay. Yeah, he was with Scott Drew for 17 years. His right hand man. Good to see him get a shot. So. Yeah, and then we talked a little about Kenny Payne last week because it was announced, yeah. but they had another presser. But I was really impressed with this presser. I thought he did a really, really good job. I, yeah, I mean, DJ Wagner, Sky Clark's now rumored to decommit from Kentucky. A lot of Louisville commits are already staying. Like, I will be thoroughly shocked if Louisville is not in the mix being really good next year, plus in the following year recruiting. Like, I think there's a world where Calipari might get out. <laughs> I if the Knicks job comes open, why wouldn't he? 
yeah, I mean, what more can you prove in, you know, NCAA ball? Yeah, I don't know. That's where I'm at. But I think Kenny Payne will be phenomenal. Similar to Michigan, similar to Juwan Howard, if he can surround himself with a good coaching staff of veterans. Um, the only difference is he was on Kentucky staff forever. He was the right-hand man, so he does have that bench experience. Um, so it would be nice to see. Some would say that he even coached a team. Not me, I'm not saying it, but UK fans are saying it. So love the Kenny Payne hire. I think that's the best one overall. Um, I can't wait to see him do well because I like when the ACC is better and I like when Louisville's good. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, but it's not the best hire of them all, Sean Miller. Correct. Sorry. But you're right. That's a better. That's a better hire. You're right. I, so. I had to make a joke. I had to. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Uh, this was fun. Uh, we're really excited for the next rounds. Uh, I can't believe we're already at Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight time, but it's such a. I have big. Um, I'm about to say buy this big bracket. Like a, it's a whiteboard bracket that you can fit. Like it's blank, right? And every year I write when selection is not there, I write it out. And it's like I'm sad when I write in the teams like after every game. Like it's like funny because like, oh, round one's over. Then you get to the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight and there's like four spots left. And you just start like counting down the games that are left. And it's pretty sad because pretty soon it's going to be National Championship Monday. Game's going to end and we're going to be like, wow, we have four months until we have to do it all over again. So yep. that's why it's the best exactly. and the worst. Yeah, but – We'll have plenty of stuff to be, keep us busy with basketball this summer, apparently. So, yep. yeah, it'll be fun. All right, guys. Well, thank you all for tuning in. Hope you're enjoying your bracket. Um, you know, I think I'm at like the solid. My note push notification last night at the Arizona game said I have about 52% of the games right. So, again, don't ask me. I'm not the right guy. But right. with that being said, have a good one, everyone. I'll talk to you all next week. Peace.